The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Meditation. You've never come to a center before or taken any meditation classes. Hanya, you knew? Great, wonderful, welcome. This class is designed for you. And um, who has uh, been taking Tanya and Kodo's intro to mindfulness meditation class? Great, Sage and Corey, and wonderful, welcome. Um, Who took a prior introductory course somewhere? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, great. So for for you, some of what I have to say may serve as refresher. Um, And uh, then how how many have been practicing for a little while? Maybe you've been practicing for a few months. If you've been practicing for at least a few months. And about how many have been practicing for a year? Or how about more than a year? (laughs) Decades, yes, decades. Okay, so this day is for everyone. And... um, what we're going to be doing is called mindfulness meditation. It's also called insight meditation, which you may have seen on the sign outdoors. What mindfulness, you know, there are a lot of teachers who say, I can't really define mindfulness, but I'll give it an attempt. It's paying attention on purpose to what is happening right here and now, moment to moment, in the body, in the emotions, in the mind in your surroundings, but largely, you know, we're turning inward and paying attention to what's arising in us. Now, over time, as we notice what's happening now, we may also be able to see some patterns, some conditioned habits we have. So what comes up routinely may start to teach us quite a bit about how we've been conditioned or what we've learned over the course of our lifetime. And over the time, this practice of mindfulness cultivates a clear, stable, non-judgmental awareness. Awareness is a capacity we all have. It's a natural thing. Right now, I bet if we did a poll, we'd probably each be able to tell approximately what the temperature in the room is, you know, kind of a little bit about what the weather is, that awareness is functioning all the time for a lot of different purposes, but we're going to aim our awareness at specific things. So this mindfulness meditation practice that we do over and over again can certainly bring calm and clarity to our daily life and to the pressures that we experience in life, and It's also available as a spiritual path that helps us gradually experience more freedom and happiness. It sort of dissolves barriers to wisdom, compassion, and other beautiful human qualities. So it's twofold. Now, how we're going to proceed to begin today is we're going to go through the same sequence that those of you who've been going through the intro class have gone through. Um, And we're doing one skill after another, and the skills build on one another. They complement one another. So we'll start with basics of meditation. And where people often start in this tradition is with mindfulness of breathing. So we'll begin with that. 
Then uh, the next segment, we'll do a little bit of walking. So we'll start to come into mindfulness of our bodies, in that case with, with mindfulness of our feet and legs. Then we'll come back and we'll do a sitting where we develop mindfulness of the body and we take in different kinds of sensations in addition to those of breathing in the rest of the body. We'll move into next into mindfulness of emotions, feeling. Um, and then we'll do, and by the way, we'll have breaks <laughs> during this. We'll have other walking meditation periods so you won't be... Uh, sitting without a break all day, you'll get plenty of breaks. And often the sitting meditations will be interspersed with walking meditations to help relieve the body and get the circulation going and change it up. We'll move into um, mindfulness of thinking, something that goes on quite a bit, perhaps. And then we'll uh, have a mindfulness of open awareness. And what that is, is paying attention to the flow of what's happening. So right now, as you experience what's happening as you sit here, there could be thoughts, and then there could be a body sensation, there could be attention to the breath, there could be emotions. And all these things come and go, come and go, come and go. So with open awareness, we pay, pay attention to that changing flow. Um, as we focus on each of what um, Tanya called anchors, we're going to use each of these things as what we call an anchor. So if you think about, for example, paying attention or being aware of breathing, the way we use that is, let's say a sailor has been sailing all day long, and they've been working hard at the tiller, and they've been you know, gauging the winds and doing a lot of work, and they decide to come to a rest. Um, they could weigh anchor. They could drop an anchor into the water. And the anchor is, be, provides a stable point, you know, so the boat is no longer going to be blown by the wind or caught by the currents or the tides. It's going to stay there. So similarly, we're using the breath to stabilize our awareness and our attention. And we'll, when we're practicing mindfulness of the breath, we'll come back to breathing again and again. And it's not that thinking might not happen or a sensation in the body's noticed. Other things will come up, but then we just gently return the attention. When we're aware the mind has gone off, we'll gently return our attention to the breathing. So there's many different types of anchors. The breathing is one. Then we'll shift to the body. The body could be your anchor of attention. You could keep coming back to sensations in the body again and again. Um, so that's what's meant by an anchor, or some people will call it an object of meditation. So please know, it's not that we expect that only breathing is going to be happening when we're practicing mindfulness of the breathing. It's simply that we're going to come back to that anchor again and again. And in doing that, um, we are training the mind. We're training the awareness to come back to something that will stabilize it. We, when we start out, we have what some people call monkey mind. It's jumping all around, all over the place. And if you experience that, no problem. There are no mistakes. There are no problems. Um, you know, we'll also offer, with these guided meditations that we'll do on each of these topics... 
we'll offer some time. We'll talk about them briefly. We'll do this lightly guided meditation. And then we'll offer some time that is just quiet so that you can notice what happens in your mind and body. Um, have people here, have anybody here been listening to a lot of the morning guided meditations that Gil's been doing at 7 o'clock? Yeah, guided meditations are wonderful. And these guided meditations serve to help give you an idea of what you might pay attention to, you know, to kind of train your mind in, okay, here's kind of how I go about this mindfulness of breathing, for example. But also, guided meditations are a bit like training wheels. And there comes a point where if you want to ride a bike, you use the training wheels to get your balance, but then after a while you take them off. And similarly, it's good to practice meditation with the guidance off and just see what happens because we learn a whole lot about how our minds have been conditioned and what's going on for us. So, um, just briefly, uh, I wonder how many people here um, are not so familiar with uh, how you use chairs and cushions and things like that. If you haven't really, great. I'm going to, and maybe some of you are, but I'm going to give a little brief review of it. Um, It does not matter which, and by the way, when I talk about postures, I want to include that um, one of the postures that can be used at any time, if you're super sleepy or you just need a break, is standing posture. You can stand. Usually people don't close their eyes when they do this. They keep them resting at a spot on the floor. But you can stand while you're meditating. And you can feel your body swaying a little bit. Or, but um, it's fine to use anything you need. So you'll see I, I usually use a chair. And I'll show you this kind of from the side so you can see it. When you're sitting on a chair, usually what you're trying to do is um, have your feet flat on the floor and parallel, or you can have your legs splayed a little. If your feet don't reach the floor, there are some cushions and wedges out in the shelves, and you can put you know you can put them under your feet. Ideally, you want your knees slightly lower than your hips or level, but definitely not higher. So if you find your feet don't reach the floor or you, um, or you need some hip height, you can put a cushion under yourself like this. And generally you sit free of the backrest. Um, with all sitting, we're trying to establish a little bit of an independent posture. And this takes time to develop, by the way. At first, our muscles may feel um, the new activity and... Um, Some of us who have lower back injuries might prop cushions very low behind ourselves like that. Um, So that can help. But then from there, um, you're going to place your hands somewhere where they're not pulling you forward. They're not pulling your shoulders forward or too far forward. They're comfortably resting on your lap um, in kind of a symmetrical way. Or when it gets hot, I do palms up so that I have one more evaporative cooling source. You can also rest your hands in your lap like this. Whatever, whoops, whatever's comfortable um, for you. Then um, some people prefer to sit on the floor. It's comfortable for them. And you have a lot of options there. So 
I'm not going to sit on one cushion because I know I'm not flexible enough, but some people can sit simply on one cushion. The idea with the chair, the cushion, anything, is that you're forming a tripod, a sturdy base for yourself. So I'm going to sit on two cushions. And what that enables me to do, what you want to do, is be able to have both knees forming two corners of the tripod and then the cushion forming the third, your your sit bones against the cushion. Um, Sitting on the front third is helpful for stability. And we tend to sit Burmese style or Taylor style like this with one leg and foot in front of the other. If I were sitting here and one knee was still a little high, I just didn't have the flexibility in my hips, I could put a cushion under so that I then have the stability. So use props as you need. And then with each of these things, with sitting and on the floor, in the chair, uh, it's helpful to have your upper body, you know, allowing your spine to be alert You want a balance between alertness, awakeness, you know, that helps you focus, and relaxness, relaxation. So um, sometimes what I do to kind of align myself is I think of additional space between my uh, top vertebra, and I, I tuck my chin just a little bit, not like this, but just a tiny bit down instead of, you know, our head is really heavy. And we can, if we're focusing on meditation, you can see people start to go like that. So um, what I do to help myself is I lift my shoulders and then drop them back. Feel that little bit of space in my spine. And feel this balance between alertness and relaxation. It takes time to find these things. People who've been doing this for years take their time to settle into this. So feel free to continually, you know, tiny little adjustments or even big changes. You know, if you're sitting here, and like if I tried to sit here like this for the whole time, I would be very hard on my arthritis and I wouldn't be able to get up off the floor. (laughs) So another option we have are these benches. Um, I uh, have not frequently used a bench, but theoretically, (laughs) you can uh, sit on it. Oh boy, my knees won't do that, but you can sit on it and balance that way. Um, You can also turn one of these cushions on its end and sit on it like this, and I won't go all the way down because my knees won't tolerate it. Um, Those give you a few options, and... As I said, um, experiment with it, try different things until you find what helps you find that balance between alertness and relaxation. People also will sometimes use, especially if they have physical challenges, may use lying down meditation. I'm not going to spend time on that today because that's more challenging. It's hard for most of us not to fall asleep. So um, you can talk to us individually about that. If it's a little bit uncomfortable, that's normal. (laughs) As we start doing this, it's unfamiliar and it can be a little bit uncomfortable. 
Um, but often we'll just hang in with it for a little bit to notice what we can notice about that. But please don't hurt yourself. So if something is uncomfortable after a while, um, a little while, you can intentionally, mindfully move. So if I've been sitting and I find that I'm getting uncomfortable, I may recognize discomfort, recognize I'm going to move, and follow what happens in my body as I make the adjustment. If when you get up from meditation, your body hurts, still is in pain, uh, especially after five minutes, that's a sign that you're possibly starting to injure yourself, and you don't need to do that. You can find other ways to support yourself. So, um, just a little bit of an overview of all of this. With any of it, with attention to the posture, with attention to any of these anchors, we're developing our ability to pay attention to our immediate experience instead of being preoccupied with the past or future. Um, as you study the monkey mind, you'll find that, wow, it's pretty frequent that we're thinking about the future, the past. And it could be innocent enough. We might need to think a little bit about tomorrow. Um, but often, our preoccupation with this contributes to stress, suffering, fear, and other things that kind of keep us from being free. So mindfulness is learning how to overcome those preoccupations by coming into the lived experience right now, what we're living right now. It relies on this natural capacity we have for awareness. And awareness by itself doesn't judge, it doesn't uh, resist, it doesn't cling. It just notices. It doesn't mean that resistance or clinging might or judgment might not come up they might and then we just notice those too as i said there's no problem it's like okay judging is going on let me return my attention to what's happening in the breath right now our practice is simply to relax and bring forth awareness of what's happening and this can include i'm distracted I feel disrupted. Wow, I'm, yesterday I was foggy all day. It felt like I was, my eyes weren't focused and I was looking through a layer of fog all day long. Fine, I included it in the mindfulness. Wow, foggy today. Um, there's nothing that isn't supposed to happen. We're not trying to achieve an altered state. We're not trying to be different than how we are right now. Um, we're not trying to become somebody in particular. We are being with just the way things are right now with everything that arises, whether it's comfortable, uncomfortable, we like it, we don't like it. It's all folded into mindfulness. And the freedom is actually in seeing that. You know, you're no longer enslaved by something if you um, recognize, oh, wow, I was just thinking for the last 15 minutes. Okay. Awareness, thinking, let me return to the breathing. There's a lot of um, 
disentangling ourselves that can go on from these conditioned habits and we can develop a friendlier more compassionate relationship with the stuff that comes up I've sat down here before and found that my breathing was just incredibly labored and I was like wow I'm just working at breathing and instead of thinking oh I'm a bad meditator and that's wrong I got the ability over time to go okay today for whatever reason the body is really grabbing air or another time sitting down here thinking like crazy wow and then recognizing you know what I just had an incredibly stimulating day no wonder the mind is being pulled into thinking mindfulness of thinking return to whatever anchor I was using so this is what I mean by we can be compassionate and friendly towards it it's just the way we human beings become conditioned so mindfulness again just attentively being present with what's happening here and now on purpose no matter what it is and it's called a practice in the same way that we practice a piano or a musical instrument we we come back and we do it again do it again do it again um, we don't we're not trying to get it perfect the first time and there is no perfect or imperfect anyway we're just practicing practicing awareness and it develops uh, well if we can just set aside any expectations any judgments if they come up like okay I've got an expectation that I'm gonna be oh peaceful <laughs> okay it's an expectation and what's actually going on is okay there's some calm there's some energy in the body the breath is um, coming to support the speaking the body's pretty tired just you know this is what's happening so uh, with that that's just a little scope of why we're doing this what we might be able to receive from it and the biggest part of it relax enjoy the day appreciate anything you're discovering or aware of welcome thank you it's a lot to take in we're going to move into a, a breathing meditation but i'm wondering if you if you need a break can you nod your head if you think yeah yeah five minutes please go ahead and take care of yourselves finding your posture finding your body giving it to your cushion the earth your chair your bones to hold Letting things settle. Just in this simple, direct way. Connecting with your felt, lived, present moment experience. Your mind will think. 
Seeing if you can play with resting more awareness, kind of on the directness of your experience. We'll start that with the breath this morning. Seeing if the breath can be sort of in the center of your awareness, the center of your experience. So it can be helpful to start with some longer, slower, fuller, conscious breaths. With the exhale, it can be helpful to invite a letting go feeling. Maybe with the inhale, bringing your shoulders up towards your ears, kind of squeezing in that way. And then with exhale, letting the shoulders fall back and down. Breathing in, I calm my body. Breathing out, I calm my mind. So we'll become a little bit more intimate with our breathing experience. Maybe just starting with knowing you're breathing in as you breathe in. And knowing you're breathing out as you breathe out. And you can know this by the sensation and the feeling and the flow. And if it's helpful, you can do a quiet noting in your mind of in with inhale and out with exhale. Seeing what's supportive for you, what helps you connect more fully with the inhale and the exhale.
And if it's helpful, you can also start to include awareness of the breath as it leaves and enters, maybe noticing the temperature of the breath. where it touches your nostrils. How it feels different coming in versus out. You might also notice the feeling of it in your throat. Or feeling the chest as it expands with the inhale and contracts with the exhale. You may feel it in your belly, allowing, giving your belly permission to expand with the inhale, for the belly to relax. just being curious where it's easiest for you to feel the flow of the breath what part of your experience of breathing can you rest into more easily And there's no need to try and stop from thinking or stop hearing or feeling. It's more about trying to invite the breath to be in the foreground or in the center of your experience, your awareness. Just maybe holding a little bit closer to it. a little more intimate with that part of your experience. Maybe just three breaths at a time. 
seeing if you can follow the full flow of the in and the out for three breaths in a row. being easy with ourselves, with our experience, soft and gentle with whatever's happening.
And just in case there's some struggle in the mind. Be just inviting the mind to help you attend in a simple way to receiving the experience of breathing. Not trying to force it, but more like this invitation. Maybe like if you have a puppy, you gently pick it up and invite it to a particular area. Not yanking it around and knowing that uh, we need to be gentle and persistent. Maybe in the way that we learn to enjoy the puppy while we're also watching over the puppy. That it needs a certain amount of room In the same way, can we give our own minds a little bit of room? While staying connected to the experience that the body knows how to do the breathing that is so natural and the first thing we do when we come into this world. And the last thing we do when we leave this world is to exhale. A constant companion.
you're new to meditation, you may see us bowing at the end of meditation. And that's just a way of acknowledging. Um, I, I've heard it said that uh, the light in me sees the light in you. So it's just an acknowledgement. You don't have to do it. But I wanted people to know why we do that. Um, what we'll do next is have a chance to do a half hour of walking meditation. And when we do walking meditation, the anchor is the feeling in the feet and legs or the just keeping the focus on the feet and legs or returning again and again. And generally what's done is we find a place we can go crosswise in the hall here. Maybe we can move some chairs out of the way. You can walk crosswise in the hall or you can walk outdoors on the front porch, in the gravel, on the uh, sidewalks of the neighborhood. Um, And you pick a path maybe 15 to 20 steps long. And instead of taking a walk, what we're doing is we're walking back and forth. And um, that gives us an opportunity to stay focused on this, the feet and legs returning our attention. Um, and to pick a pace that fits with the pace of mindfulness. So this varies by person. A lot of people like to slow down a little bit. Some people like to slow down a lot. Um, But whatever helps you to or supports you to return your attention to your feet and legs. And um, it's not that other things won't happen. You know, you may, your eyes may be caught by some bright flower and or you may pick up a sound of a bird you've never heard, anything like that, it's fine to pause. Notice what the awareness has been drawn to, and, ah, hearing. Then come back, um, focus again on the feet and legs, and continue with the walking. Um, So, one thing about being out on the sidewalks is just please be considerate of neighbors who might be walking by and actually taking a walk and, you know, move out of the way so that they're not struggling to pass you. Um, I would recommend not walking in the parking lot. We'll be having practice discussions, so please don't use this parking lot. The dentist prefers we don't use the parking lot there or the one across the street, so instead it's better to find space on the sidewalk. And... um, just taking your time and seeing what you discover as you walk. Some people, I'll just demonstrate a little. Um, Often what I do is I pause at the beginning of my walking path and allow my attention to collect. And for some people, they're just noticing the movement of their feet and legs. They come, okay, you know, I notice my mind drifted off to a sound outside. Back to the feet and legs. I come to the end of my path. Take a breath and pause. And notice the movement of my feet and legs as I turn around. For other people, sometimes the way I like to do it is I like to feel the lifting, the motion, the settling of the foot against the ground lifting the other foot, the motion of the leg forward, settling the foot against the ground. So you can do it in a more general way or a more focused way like that. 
A couple of people have signed up for practice discussions during that time, so Tanya and I will be in the back parking lot in chairs back there to meet with you if you signed up. So meanwhile, uh, please enjoy the meditation. We will come back uh, at 11.35, and if you're somewhere nearby, Richard will ring a bell. Uh, Focus on body meditation, and I'll start with a few comments. What we're doing today is we're building our ability to notice what's happening right here and now. We're starting with the breath as an anchor, or the movement of our feet and legs and walking meditation as an anchor, using those anchors to stabilize the attention and bring it into the here and now. We're also noticing when the attention drifts away from the here and now and when it comes back. So we're going to move in this next meditation from the sensations of breathing to a broader uh, sense of feeling in the body, the rest of our physical experience. The reason we do this, or what's great about it, is that the body is always operating in the present moment. It's breathing in the present moment, the heart's beating in the present moment, everything's going on in the present moment in the body. And when we bring the mind to those things that are happening in the body right now, they're working in harmony. And this is different than, for example, if you sit your body down here and your mind is planning what you'd like to eat for dinner and thinking about what happened at work yesterday, then these two are not in harmony. So first, we'll, in this meditation, we'll take in sensations of breathing as fully as possible. And then we'll turn to the body. I want to make the distinction that the mindfulness or awareness we're bringing is not in itself commentary or judgment or evaluation of the breathing or sensations in the body. And, and not judging ourselves. We're just training ourselves to notice here and now how the breathing is feeling. Sensing sensations of the breathing, sensing sensations in the body. We could call that knowing the breathing or knowing the body. Now, commentary and judgment may happen anyway. If they come up, you can just notice, ah, I'm judging myself a little bit. And then maybe release that, relax, and return to the breathing or the body. For some of us, we spend so much time thinking that it may, you know, sometimes we're not so aware of our body and it may be a slow reawakening. Don't worry if that's the case. Just allow yourself to notice what you can. And sometimes we can use uh, a word like here to bring ourselves back to the body here and now. So I'll go into a guided meditation now, giving yourself a moment to reestablish your posture in a way that's alert, alert spine, and also relaxed, and taking time to make those little adjustments 
maybe rolling the shoulders and letting the out breath bring some ease. Perhaps taking a few longer, slower breaths. And letting the breathing return to normal, whatever that is in this moment. There's no right or wrong way to breathe. It can be helpful to scan the body from head to foot. Noticing sensations in the head right now, the scalp, the forehead, the cheeks and jaw, perhaps bringing some ease to them, perhaps letting the jaw drop open a little, relaxing it. With mask on, sometimes I find I breathe with my mouth open. With mask off, I gently bring the lips back together. And letting the attention flow down the neck to the shoulders. Perhaps allowing the shoulders to drop a little letting the weight of the arms and hands rest comfortably on your legs or lap. Letting attention glide down the back, upper, middle, lower back, Noticing what's there. If it's possible to soften an area, you can soften it. Or if there's activity there that remains there, simply noticing that it's there. It's not a problem. Allowing whatever is present. With the next exhale, perhaps relaxing the belly, softening the hips, if it's possible, letting gravity receive the weight of the legs and feet against the floor. become more broadly aware of the entire body sitting here. 
you might feel a sense of aliveness, a little bit of vibration or pulsing, some energy or some relaxation, sleepiness or alertness, warmth, cool air in some places. Just allowing yourself to take in that broader sense of the body sitting here in the hall. just to get an idea or a feeling for what it is to feel the sensations of the body, for a moment, turning the attention to the sensations in the right hand, you might feel a light pressure of where the hand is in contact with your leg or in contact with your other hand. Perhaps there's some warmth in certain areas. Perhaps coolness in other areas of the hand. Perhaps you can feel a little pulsing or vibration in the fingertips or somewhere in the hand. Taking in whatever sensations are present in the right hand. And just that's what we mean when we say paying attention to sensations in the body. Sometimes we can be aware of an absence of sensation in a particular area of the body, and that's also fine. And returning the awareness now to a broader sense of the overall body as it sits here, the whole body. Becoming aware of how the body experiences the sensations of breathing. It may be through sensations of the chest, 
rising and falling. Perhaps you experience the belly expanding and then releasing. Or sensations flowing in and out of the nose or throat. Wherever you feel the physical sensations of breathing, centering on those sensations, If there's any commentary or evaluation, simply noticing it and gently returning attention, centering it on the sensations of breathing in and breathing out. If it's difficult for you being with the breathing, simply acknowledge the difficulty and be with it as best you can. Returning to the sensations of breathing wherever it's most prominently felt in the body. go of any effort to be with the breathing and allowing your attention to turn to the strongest or most obvious sensations in the body. It might be the feeling of your hands resting against your thighs or your feet against the floor or cushion.
maybe something else. If it disappears as you are aware of it, allowing your attention to be present for the next prominent sensation that arises. attention could return to the sensations of breathing if that is the most prominent until something else becomes the most pronounced in the attention in sensation in the body If there is discomfort in the body, simply noticing that. No need to try to get rid of it or to focus in on it. Just include it in a global sense of the body sitting here. And allow your attention to take in other sensations in the body. as well.
if the attention has drifted away into thinking or somewhere else sounds, simply noting where it went and gently returning to the most prominent sensation in the body right now. If there's a need to adjust your posture, remembering to be mindful as you feel the need, as you begin the movement, and during the movement, just feeling the sensations of moving. the sensation in the body is getting very strong it's possible to be with it from a greater distance imagining being a bird high above the building and taking in the strong sensation from a distance can shift your posture if the if it's getting to be too much if something is very strong first maybe hanging out with it for a few minutes and then if it's wearing the mind or exhausting the body then mindfully moving to a more comfortable posture Staying with the sensations of the movement and noticing what changes after the movement.
Renewing the attention to what the most prominent sensation is now. Perhaps entering the sensation more fully. Feeling whether it varies or is steady. if it stays or dissolves.
So just a few comments afterwards. It's usual in our tradition that breathing is placed at the center, the grounding anchor at the beginning. And there are some people for whom the breath is useful, some for uh, whom the breath is not so useful, or there can be periods of time where it's not. So when I first began practicing, I wasn't so able to use breathing. Uh, so I used the body as my anchor until I became, my attention became stable enough over a period of time for breathing, for me to turn to breathing. Um, so often breathing is used or the body may be used until another experience becomes more compelling or prominent in the attention. And then we turn our attention to that and then perhaps return to the anchor. Now, sometimes what comes up is pleasant. Sometimes it's not so pleasant. And as I mentioned, there can be discomfort in the body. Um, It may not be used to this posture. It can take a while to become stronger, more flexible, or it can just be conditions of that particular day or that particular phase of life. There's no agenda, again, for what you pay attention to. Whatever is coming up, arthritis sensations in the knee, mindful of that. Returning to the breathing, mindful of that. Just using whatever anchor you're using as a way to come back and stabilize the attention. There's, there's no hurry with any of this. It's sometimes called a purification process, which means that we're becoming aware of all the ways we've been conditioned. And sometimes things are coming up like poison coming out of a wound, and we're experiencing that. So we're just noticing whatever is prominent, allowing it, getting to know it better, being present with it. And as I mentioned, if it's sometimes too much, it's okay to take a different view, like move out to a distance in our attention, or not not try to hammer into it or get rid of it. I'm just feeling it, and if necessary, mindfully shifting the posture and noticing how it felt during and after. So you're encouraged when discomfort comes up to hang in there with it for a little bit, or even for a long while, but not to injure yourself. So being present with these sensations in the body again and again, practicing like we're practicing an instrument, um, can begin to help the body relax over time. I went through many retreats at the beginning years of my practice where it felt like the whole retreat was working with discomfort in the body. And then over time, that became not the case. My body was more relaxed. So this idea of staying unified with mind and body, being present here and now, as the body is here and now, we start to become aware of habitual preferences, cravings, aversions, judgments, all the stuff that comes up that is being purified. And we get a chance to understand it more deeply.
So thank you very much for your practice of mindfulness of body. So just checking in with yourself right now, noticing what you need, maybe. Where you're at, we're going to have a lunch break at 12.35, so if you're feeling hungry, just, you know, orienting. We have a period of time now for some questions, reflections. But I want to just sort of let you know that that's what's going to happen. So if you feel like you need to stand up and go to the bathroom, or maybe it's better for you to stay in silence, so you want to go and do some walking during this period, please take care of your practice, right? Track, track what is needed for you. One of the things that can happen is we get more and more sensitive to the talking as we're quiet. Does anyone have um, any questions or reflections they'd like to share? During the walking meditation, one of the things I noticed uh, was that when I was putting my attention on my feet and uh, my legs, I noticed just all the little tiny adjustments things were ha- were happening just to maintain balance. So I was noticing how wobbly I felt, and then I, or how wobbly I was, and then. I started putting attention on just the act of willing myself to move forward uh, more gracefully, so to speak. And when I put my intention on that intention of doing that, my body just naturally did it. And I thought that was really interesting. That's great. Great to observe sort of essentially one you know, we're bringing our awareness more intimately to something we maybe don't usually pay attention to, right? And then you start to see all that goes into walking (laughs) and how it can feel quite wobbly. Um, And then it was, it sounds like it was, uh, your mind responded well to the kind of the invocation or the intention, the, you know, to feel more at ease or more smooth in the walking. And that was interesting for you to see just how it happened. You put in an intention and something happened and you got to witness it. It wasn't like you were in there doing all these little things, right? Is that is that uh, a fair summary? Yeah, it's like the body had a intelligence of its own that was yeah. just sort of carrying out my wishes of... more naturalness and it just it was interesting yeah the body does have an intelligence of its own it's a wonderful thing to witness for sure thank you
Over here, Richard. If you want to say your name before you speak, feel free. Hello, everyone. My, my name is Abhishek. I was going to actually write Abhi, but I see another Abhi sitting there, so I uh-huh. I'll write the full name. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's, I've, I haven't been here in a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to add to what you said, Corey, I, I was diagnosed with gout mm-hmm. uh, more than two months ago. Mm-hmm. It's been tough, but I'm trying, like this walk, just a simple walk, kind of made me realize where it hurts. Like this deep realization, I've, I've had it for two months, but I didn't have that realization. So I would push myself to walk more, but, you know, just kind of figuring out how the leg balances things out and where it hurts and where it doesn't hurt was insightful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to make a quick comment about walking in the hall. Uh, it's, it's okay to wear shoes in the hall if you need them for support. Okay. Sure. And it is so interesting as our bodies change over time, which they do with this and that, to notice the different sensations and the different compensations that happen. And pretty amazing. The tiny little adjustments that the body's sensitive to, like, ah, walking on the inside of my foot, the outside. I'm wondering how um, it is when there's a prolonged period of silence for you during the meditation periods. What are you noticing? Corey, thumbs up. Okay. Jan, thumbs up. Anybody struggling more when there's a longer period of quiet, or is it okay? Just getting some feedback here about how much guidance we're providing, right? Yeah. What? Oh, thank you. I think my thoughts tend to wander when there's more silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, like, when um, you say something else, then I can bring my attention back. Mm-hmm. To that. Yes. What have you noticed um, in your own, you know, have you, you're brand new. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you notice anything else that you did that helped? Or when you noticed on your own, you were thinking, um, how was that for you? Um, I think when I noticed that I was thinking, I like thought that I'm thinking, and then I like, would remember like what it, what it was that I was focusing on before and would try to bring myself back to that. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, so sometimes we can have that in a very simple way. Or sometimes there can be added judgments to the fact that we were thinking. Yeah, yeah I think that would come up. Like I would uh, feel like a little bad a few times that like I was um, drifting away from what I was focusing on. So one thing that has helped me is um, kind of just to know that the moment we wake up to thinking we're aware already and that it's an, um, an opportunity to then 
sort of, oh, just appreciate. Oh, it happened. Awareness came back. I mean, I'm aware. And, and sort of choose to rest into that. And that sort of reinforces it. Um, it is tempting to get critical, but I think that reinforces being critical as opposed to reinforcing just the gratitude or receptivity, um, the appreciation that we could become aware again. Um, yeah, so there's just just like, wow, what's that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. All of a sudden I'm aware again. Sort of like, and then like, oh, like, okay, yeah. This is gonna, this is, it, that's what the mind does. It thinks, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, very experienced teachers who've been teaching for decades say, wow, you know, in that meditation, my mind was just thinking and thinking, and they keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. So it's not a problem, <laughs> which is great to discover. And even when we go, oh, judging, not a problem. Um, my name is Noel, and this is more of a meta observation about um, my experience today. Um, because of COVID uh, and the center shutting down, um, after I was very, very involved here, uh, it was a great loss for me. And now that it's reopening, I'm very anxious that it be successful in its reopening. And um, I, I experienced personal disappointment when I saw that not a lot of people were here. And I began to feel like perhaps you as leaders felt like this is a lot of effort for 10 people. And um, I know this is just me. And I began to gallop into a sense of um, what if we can't restore its vigor here? And that I didn't ever have that fear of this collapsing um, before COVID. And this is new for me to um, feel this want uh, of, of, of uh, success. And, um, and so uh, you don't need to address this because I know this is just me, but this is what I sit with now. Um, uh, and it does, it does um, um, bruise a little bit of my pleasure just being here because of my anxiety that this um, uh, sangha be restored and its vitality be restored. And that's what I sit with now when I'm here. So thank you. Noel, I just want to thank you for sharing. You know, that's a lot of mindful awareness of what is actually going on. And you may not be the only person who's experiencing some, you know, uh, responses to COVID and noticing what the emotions are sitting here with the hall looking like this. And also uh, just want to share that for me, even if one person shows up, I'm delighted to be with that one person. Um, and the sangha is very healthy, very healthy. So, 
Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, tenderness there, Noel. So maybe just um, really holding yourself dear, you know, holding the care that you're expressing dearly, the preciousness of the practice and the Sangha. Yeah, and then, you know, Great. Thank you. Hi, my name is Nena, and I um, wonder if you have any additional ideas in terms of this particular uh, process I go through after sitting. So eventually, when I sit to meditate, a pressure or a pain comes to my heart. And this is like I can sit for hours with pain in my heart. And I am, there is the, um, uh, because of like somatic experiencing training and so on, I stay there and I say to it, not that I want to disregard, but I'm going to go to other places in my body that are comfortable right now, right? And um, and so I go maybe to the back or to the hips or to the feet, places where are more quiet. And um, there is, uh, so perhaps there is, not perhaps, there is a kind of impatience happening within me that this is something that um, that this is what it has come to be after sitting for for a long time and and so my question is um, sometimes coming back to the breath I think has caused a certain amount of um, maybe disregarding, uh, maybe a certain amount of like lack of a deeper relationship to that which is coming up, which is challenging, and and I eventually thought that I had created a spiritual um, bypass. And I, this is probably, you know, and I just wonder um, in terms of how does, if you have any any suggestions, any kind of take on this, and how do I sit and lightly people who might have experiences like me sit in a way that will not create that spiritual bypass? Yeah, or perhaps, you know, redirecting, but at the same time creating a kind of deeper relationship with, with, with what's happening. So what I'm hearing you say, I'm, I'm just going to state it back to you a little to make sure that I'm clear. So uh, you've sat for some time with a, a pain in your heart, and you can sit for a long time with it. And then as a result of somatic experiencing training, 
you became aware that sometimes it's useful to uh, turn the attention towards other areas of the body that might be not as heavy a pain and that's a way to titrate an intense experience that can be useful but it sounds like over time you became concerned that that could become a kind of spiritual bypass getting around what this is trying to tell you and you were wondering whether there's a way to be with this more fully and understand it come to be with it is am i understanding correctly very much so except sometimes my concern is that the instructions in the mindfulness community might be what could also cre- has cause this spiritual bypass mm-hmm. yeah just like coming yeah. back to the breath coming back to the breath yeah. you know and and not creating a deeper relationship to that which is coming up and as a result creating a layer of Okayness and underneath all of this pain, mm-hmm. right? That that I come with. Yes. So, you're pointing to something very important uh, that it may be unfamiliar to people who are newer to practice. But this idea of spiritual bypass is when you, you know, take something that's part of a spiritual tradition as a way to escape um, some of the deeper issues in your life, your body, your heart. So, you know, I could think that I'm just a really great Buddhist sitting here with my breath and ignoring that a relationship's falling apart or something. And I could just, it could feel very soothing to come back to the breath. However, and so you're right that this training has that, um, sometimes that could happen to people. Don't be afraid of coming to the breath, coming to the breath. But as you get into it more deeply, as Nena has for many years, um, you this is that other layer we were talking about, conditioned experience, habits, things in our lives that have happened, trauma, all kinds of experiences may present themselves to awareness. And we, over time, can become aware of, oh boy, I keep skipping around this, but maybe I need to be with it. Maybe I need to understand it. Um, so because you're so alert to the possibility, I have this feeling that you're not going to fall into spiritual bypass for too long. You're raising it right now. as like, hmm, I wonder if I'm doing that. Um, so I just encourage you to continue to to deepen with it. If it feels like for you, I'm not going to just keep... Uh, kind of stepping around it by feeling sensation in the body or breathing. I need to be with this thing and be patient with how much it hurts. And maybe occasionally, not as a demand or an agenda, but occasionally drop in, what is this? You know, and let it reveal itself to you over time. So I noticed over a long period of time sitting here, Every time I would sit here, I would gradually end up in this position where one shoulder was, this shoulder, was tight, and I was in pain. And over, and I'd be like, what the heck? I thought I could relax. At the end of a sitting, I'd be like that again. And over many years, it took a long time to become aware that this is sometimes called guarding the heart, that the musculature kind of 
is protecting that little heart that's been hurt so much or been through so much in life. And over many years, just being aware, mm, guarding the heart. What's in that heart? What's going on with that heart? Uh, the body began to relax so that now that doesn't happen so much. 18 years in, that doesn't happen very often. So it's this slow peeling back. And, you know, I really am appreciating your awareness of this issue of when is it appropriate to stay with it. So am I understanding you, and is is this helpful? Yeah, exactly. How much attention, what is appropriate to give attention to something that is challenging, in, in in the neurology of it, that is it becoming amplified? Or, you know, how how to, I understand this is kind of a complex situation, but, but it is, you know, how to find that balance between the neurology, the amplification of an experience, mm-hmm. and, and how to kind of work with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one of the, We'll shift here after I say this, but um, I think one thing to really pay attention to, Nana, is the results of however you practice. So try practicing differently with the heart and notice what happens. Like thinking about this as a feedback, you're getting feedback. So you keep tuning in, you know, if it's, um, you're clear that right now you've been practicing this other way and well, it's not changing, so let me try something a little different and um, and stay tuned in, listening, listening to what happens inside of you and paying attention to one thing you said, which was maybe there's at times um, some a mind or perspective that comes up that thinks, has some judgment or impatience about it. So that too, don't let that slip without being seen. Yeah, so beautiful. As Tanya said, we're going to shift gears here. We're We're in five minutes. One last quick comment. Yeah. A couple of the YouTube participants, which are many hundreds, by the way. Oh, thank you, YouTube. Are are also commenting that it's not just 10 people. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, thank you. We forget we have all of our companions in cyberspace. So welcome to the YouTube participants. And we'll this afternoon we'll be attentive to questions or comments that you may have. Um, we're going to turn to lunch in a few minutes here. And are you surprised to learn that it's another opportunity for mindfulness? So... There's um, a beautiful practice of mindfulness of eating that can begin here right now as you think about, oh, we're about to eat lunch. What comes up in you? Do you feel sensations of hunger in the stomach or not hungry at all, bored with lunch, thinking like, oh, I bought that, or wow, I can't wait. And then as you get up and walk to lunch and sit down and start to eat, you can have a practice of noticing the sight, the sound, the, uh, the smell of the food. Um, you can feel the body sensations of lifting it to your mouth, placing it in your mouth, tasting, chewing, noticing the difference between the beginning of the tasting and the end, swallowing, feeling the sensations of swallowing, 
Sometimes people put their spoon or fork down between bites and take a breath, then begin the practice again, feeling the sensation of picking up the fork. So it can be that detailed, or it can be generally noticing what's happening to the heart and mind around eating. Um, but it's, this is an opportunity. And we're going to set up tables inside and outside. Inside, just, I think oh, just outside. Oh, just outside? Okay, so, yeah, thank you. One table will be in silence if people want silence. Maybe, let's say, to the right, silence, to the left. We thought of sort of like eccentric circles that um, we start with the breath, right, that that's our main sort of focus, and then we expand to include breath and body, and then we go from breath, body, to breath, body, and emotions, and so that's what I'll be uh, providing guidance on in this sit, is mindfulness of our emotions. Um, it's worth saying a few words about emotions. You know, they're um, a pretty dynamic um, part of our lives, maybe connected to some of our best experiences and most difficult experiences. Yeah. And part of being alive is having emotions. And uh, it's not possible to try and prevent having negative emotions without also blocking positive emotions. So in this practice, the aim, the instructions are to learn how to be with emotions and allow them to flow through, move through, without kind of trying to cling to them or push them away. The word emotion, to emote, means, you know, is referencing this idea of letting things move through, move through us. When we... um, run into trouble with emotions, it's often because a couple of metaphors come up. One is we try and block and prevent feeling certain things, and then we kind of move into a frozen, emotional, numb space. And that frozenness is, you know, that kind of trying contracting, that binding, shuts us off from, like I said, all the aspects of life, connecting more fully with them, experiencing the small joys even, and can create distance between ourselves and ourselves, ourselves and others. Another uh, kind of simile that uh, describes what can happen is a sense of trying to repress or push down certain feelings. And... um, it, it can be thought of like a spring. We're pushing a spring and pushing and pushing and pushing the spring down. And at some point, the spring wins. And then we get flooded with an overwhelming kind of rebound of emotions. So how do we let feelings arise and pass away and not in a dismissive way? not in a bypassing way, but um, more inspirationally, like allowing ourselves to be moved by experience 
the Dalai Lama is kind of fam- famous for being described as somebody who, when talking with him, will just, like, if somebody says something, he might start just sobbing. He might just allow that emotion to just come in and be expressed, and then kind of it recedes, and he moves on, and then the next minute he's joyful and laughing. So just sort of understanding this is part of our human experience. And it's we don't have to be... Um, like unfeeling or unbothered or un- unimpacted. Sometimes with this practice, I think some people start to feel like they should always be fine. I, you know, it's really more about our relationship to our experience that we want to be fine with, not that we can't be moved by. The other part, though, is that we also don't want our emotions to carry us down the stream. Emotions come with energy. They, they, they're like a motivational system. They want us to do something. They want expression. Sometimes when it's, you know, intense feelings, those expressions aren't helpful. They're harmful to ourselves or to others. So another way to think about being with emotions is to think about rivers, And emotions are like the water, and the bed is like what we can learn to do and be, which is to hold the space for the flow of the water, the flow of the emotion. And sometimes we might feel like a very small river, (laughs) and sometimes we might feel open and wide and expansive and like just really able to allow it all to come through. And sometimes it's actually skillful to be with emotions for a short period of time and then to take a break. The idea is, yeah, to let them move through, but sometimes we can't without getting carried downstream by them. So in those situations, we need to keep discerning wisdom on board. What can I manage? What am I able to open up to right now? Another thing that's, I think, very helpful to kind of uh, some science about this that I think helps me, there's the book My Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolt-Taylor. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a great book, but one of the things she says in this book is the natural lifespan of an emotion, meaning the average time it takes for it to move through the nervous system and body, is a minute and a half. A minute and a half. So sometimes if we just sort of hold that in mind, it can help us turn toward and be willing. The tricky part is it really doesn't matter how we are with those emotions because we all know we don't just feel things for a minute and a half all the time. And what happens then is that we're re-triggering. Our thoughts, our reactions, you know, feed that emotional. So it just keeps getting triggered and triggered and triggered and triggered and triggered. But each time we trigger, 
hypothetically, it's another minute and a half. So at any time, we can pull back, stop, stop the reactivity, stop the... In the Buddha's simile, he talks about getting hit with an arrow and how that causes pain or, um, you know, pain to us. And then he says, um, now imagine getting struck with another arrow and another arrow. Do they keep hurting and does the pain grow over time? Yeah? Yes, I would say yes. And so the Buddha is essentially saying in the simile when he talks about it that those extra arrows are the optional arrows. That's the re-triggering and re-triggering of emotional states and the self-criticism and the other kind of discursive mental formations and thoughts and stories and and emotional reactions to our reactions that keep causing deeper and deeper pain, suffering. So can we just let the one arrow come in and be with it without adding more? Gil gives an example, and it's such a silly, simple example. His, his examples usually are, which speaks to their brilliance, I think, of being a meditation teacher, he talks about walking outside and tripping. So he hurts his toe because he trips. And then that's the first arrow. That's the, like, that's the pain of stubbing one's toe. And then he wonders, uh-oh, did somebody see me? Do I look like a fool? oh my God, I'm a meditation teacher. I wasn't being mindful or I wouldn't have tripped. Right? And on and on the mind goes. Just on and on. Just add, oh, am I so stupid? How could I have not been? What was I lost in thought about? You know, And we're just, it's arrow after arrow after arrow. So when we, when we notice this happening, maybe just, go, okay, enough. I don't want to keep shooting arrows at myself here. Enough. It's enough. This hurts. This hurts. I care. So, feeling into your posture, finding your body here, taking the time to roll the shoulders up and back, Inviting some deeper breaths in. So we habitually lean forward over our phones and computers, and then it closes the chest, which shuts the lungs down from breathing fully. So rolling those shoulders up and back can really help just let the lungs do what they know how to do. Breathe. So we'll start finding our posture again. And if your anchor is the breath, connecting with that anchor to help ourselves ground in this moment, come back into direct contact with what's happening, sensations, the feeling, the receptive feeling of sound. We don't have to 
know what's making a sound. We can just know the experience of hearing. We don't know how don't have to know what's causing a sensation in the body. We can just receive the experience. Being with our experience directly and simply. Yeah, breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. Breathing out, knowing. Breathing out. Giving space for things to settle in the body, heart, and mind. being generous with our experience. Sometimes the settling is really about more our response to what's arising than to what is arising. So if a thought, a feeling, a sensation comes up, if we can be with it really simply, sort of like water in a pond. We might be able to toss some little rocks, little pebbles in, and they create a little wave pattern on the surface. And then things settle and slow, smooth. But if we toss a little pebble in and then we 
follow that petal into the water. Walk on the bottom of the little pond. Try and find that pebble again. That whole process stirs up so much more activity. So if we can let a thought or a feeling come up and just sort of ripple across the water and be simple with it, it'll settle on its own. But if we feel we need to argue with it, comment on it, try and get rid of it, we might just be stirring things up. So because emotions can be complicated for us, I'm going to offer a very structured practice, a guided practice with the acronym of RAFT with two T's, R-A-F-T-T. It's one way to practice with emotions. So I want to invite you to notice what emotions are present for you right now. This may be simply noting, naming them. This is the R of raft, recognizing. Kind of a simple acknowledgement I see you sadness, I see you anxiety, I see you whatever's there. And of the things that are present, is there something small and manageable, an emotion that you can turn toward that's a small little thing, a small ripple, tolerable? And if so, the next part of the practice is the A, which is just allowing the truth of this emotion to be seen and felt, acknowledged. Can we allow knowing and connecting with this emotion in this moment? And if there is a simple sort of yes, find and feel 
where that emotion resides in the body. Maybe leaving the story connected to it behind and simply finding and feeling. If there's a no, I can't really allow or feel it's not tolerable, then maybe you can turn toward the resistance, that feeling of not okay, too much, and practice with that. Welcome that. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's wise. And can you find and feel where that resides in the body, how it feels in the body? Not resisting and not succumbing. Not resisting and not succumbing, being the banks of the river, allowing the emotional energy to flow through. And that may be all you need to do with this emotion. It may be over a minute and a half come and gone. If so, enjoy, relax, and maybe when another emotion comes up that you feel you can practice with, you might name it, recognize it, create an atmosphere of allowing, if it's tolerable, and finding it, feeling it in the body, sort of leaving the story behind. If you're still working with an emotion, the next part of the practice, the T, is to tease apart the different pieces that are here. Meaning there might be a memory, an image, a story, a belief, an expectation, or all of the above present as well. So I like to imagine for myself a big spacious room, maybe even like a cathedral that's just very large, And maybe there's a big table, or maybe there are chairs spread around. And inviting each thing that you notice that comes up that's connected to this emotion to have its own space, its own seat. as many chairs, as much space as needed. There's enough room. Sometimes maybe something needs to go in another room.
watch out for thoughts like, yeah, why did I do that again? Because that, that is yet another part to tease apart. Giving that space. There might be a feeling of bracing that might need space. Sort of untangling all the things that get put together in the mind to create one experience that's really a combination of many different things. Maybe imagining all these pieces sitting around the table. But you get to sit at the head of the table. Your awareness, your choice. Just taking it in with some distance, perspective. And whatever has occurred has occurred without expectations. To end the practice, we add a second T. And that T is trust. Finding and connecting with what we can trust in this situation. Can we trust awareness, mindfulness? Can we trust the idea that emotions come and go? That things change? Can you trust that you know something important here and rest? Rest in whatever you can take refuge in, what you can trust the Dharma, the Buddha, the Sangha. And see if you can linger here and what you can trust for the last few minutes of the practice.
I'm going to drop in a reflection for the last two minutes of practice. Emotions can be thought of in lots of different ways. Helen Keller said, The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with a heart. So staying in silence, we have a 15-minute stretch or walking break before we come back for instructions on mindfulness of thinking. So we will begin at 2.20 with the next meditation. Mindfulness of thinking meditation. Giving yourself time to settle into a meditative posture that's comfortable for you. Perhaps gently closing your eyes and giving some attention to your spine. Perhaps sitting up a little straighter than usual at this time in the afternoon to bring some energy into the body. Perhaps emphasizing the in-breath a little bit to bring in that energy. And creating a strong core around which you can relax. Perhaps taking a few long, slow, full breaths. As you breathe in, feeling energy enter the body. As you breathe out, some ease.
perhaps as you breathe in, feeling the ribcage expand. The front of the ribcage and the back of the ribcage. And softening them as you breathe out. Breathing in and breathing out, perhaps softening the muscles of the face, releasing the shoulders, softening the belly, Letting your breath return to normal, however that is right now. Seeing if there's a way the breathing can support the uprightness of the spine and the sense of ease. And then, as we've done before, beginning by entering into the world of breathing. Into the way your body experiences breathing. For now, letting go of any thoughts or concerns so you can better feel and sense the physical experience of breathing. Noticing how the inhalation differs from the exhalation.
if any thoughts arise, either letting go of them or perhaps letting them recede into the background so that in the foreground you're with your breathing, feeling the full breath in from start to finish, feeling the top of the breath where it switches to breathing out, feeling the full breath out. giving yourself over to your breathing so that breathing has a chance to settle you and calm you ground the attention, center the attention in yourself around the breathing If thinking arises, it's very natural. Simply notice it and gently recenter yourself around the breathing. For the next several minutes, gently letting go of any thinking that arises after noticing it and re-establishing yourself in feeling the breathing
And now, with calm and deliberateless, de- deliberateness, letting go of your breathing, of paying attention to your breathing, and simply notice when you're thinking. You're welcome to think. No need to stop thinking now. But as you're thinking, being clearly aware that thinking is happening. Rather than letting go of thinking, looking at thinking directly, head on. your thoughts disappear or fade away as you watch them. It's quite natural. Just waiting until they come back or going back to mindfulness of breathing until you notice thinking begins again. When thinking begins again, clearly knowing it, being aware that it's happening. Perhaps when you notice thinking arising, whispering very, very softly in the mind, thinking, thinking, very softly. For the purposes of meditation, 
what you are thinking is not so important. But as you're paying attention to thinking in meditation, perhaps noticing other aspects of it besides the content. You might notice if you're thinking in images, or it's like a movie. Perhaps you're thinking in words or conversation. If you're thinking in images, what's the quality of the images? Are they fuzzy or clear? If you're thinking in words, what's the tone of those words? Is there an inner voice that thinks? Is it harsh or is it soft and gentle? Are your thoughts pushing you or critical? Or are they supportive, accepting? Just allowing yourself to explore the process, the quality, the texture of the thoughts. Is there a lot of energy in the thinking? Or is the thinking very subtle? Or almost elusive?
you might notice if there are any emotions connected to what you're thinking about. The thinking might be coming out of a particular emotion or connected with it. And if that's so, quietly note the emotion as well as the thinking. If thinking goes away as you're mindful of it, allowing the space that's left behind, enjoying the spaciousness of a quiet mind, Perhaps noticing if there's a physical side to any thinking. Is there any pressure or tension connected to thinking? Somewhere in the body, tightness, or even pressure in the brain that feels activated with thinking as part of it? any tightening of the forehead or around the eyes. And possibly releasing, softening any tension you find or pressure. Perhaps as you exhale, releasing the tension, the way you might relax a muscle, relaxing the thinking muscle.
And now letting go of thinking enough to re-enter breathing, re-centering yourself on breathing. Gently letting go of any thoughts, perhaps letting them recede into the background. and re-entering into the world of your breathing. the breathing, perhaps seeing if you can stay connected through a whole series of breaths, the full experience of breathing in and breathing out. Perhaps taking a couple of deep breaths to end the sitting. And when you're ready, opening your eyes. So meditation, like life on planet Earth, um, can be likened to living here with all kinds of variations in the weather. We have periods in meditation when it's like a calm day with blue skies and no wind, just peaceful. Other times it's like a storm has arisen and suddenly we're in the middle of thunderclouds of emotion or a blizzard of thoughts. Or it's a very, very hot day and the body is very uncomfortable. Sometimes the analogy is used that the mind is like a clear blue sky and thoughts are like the clouds passing by. 
we establish mindfulness of the breath, breath, relaxed, contented, and sooner or later a thought cloud floats by or a whole storm of thoughts come by. We may not even see it coming. we just suddenly aware that we've been caught on those thought clouds for some time. A really common one is planning. You know, that we're tomorrow bubbles up in your mind or later today bubbles up in your mind and you're thinking of what you're going to say or do. Or a thought comes along about the past and you start living in the world of regrets or beautiful memories, how wonderful the past was. You've still gotten on a cloud. (laughs) The mind is caught, maybe, by these passing clouds and storms, and some are beautiful. You know, thinking is totally healthy and appropriate at different times. And they can carry us away into areas where we lose our stability or our groundedness. And... um, we lose our independence from what's, what we're thinking about. We're really caught in it. So one of the things we're doing with mindfulness and meditation practice is we're returning again and again to the groundedness of awareness. We use awareness of the breathing, awareness of the body, awareness of motions, awareness of thinking itself. Thinking, thinking. And learning not to get totally lost in the weather, whatever the weather is. So you you can't stop thinking from arising, and you need not try. But you don't necessarily have to pick it up. Maybe you had a little bit of an experience with this meditation that instead of picking up the content, you could look at, oh, um, I'm noticing how my face and head tense up when I'm thinking, or noticing the tone of the voice or the kinds of images that arise or simply noticing the fact of thinking. It's a huge and important part of human life. So um, we're not anti-thinking in this scene. And um, when we learn to clearly see it, uh, we have a choice with it. We have a choice of how to relate to it. Um, Instead of being dragged around by our thinking, um, and wherever it wants to go, we start to become a little less identified with it. We we are not our thoughts. During the class that Tanya and Koto have been teaching, they read this lovely book, You Are Not Your Thoughts, a child's book, but could be an adult book. It's a great book. Um, and a lot of times we we tend to believe for a while that we are our thoughts. That's who we are. But actually, if we st- You know, it's kind of like, if I stop thinking, then who am I? (laughs) Where am I? So it can be challenging to let go of all the stories we create about ourselves, the interpretations we have of events, past, present, future. Um, So an important, really important part of mindfulness is learning to see this phenomenon of thinking. We're not at war with it. We're not trying to push it away or say it's bad. But we can notice some thinking's painful, some is pleasant. We get to be more grounded with it and um, start to notice things we haven't noticed before about our thinking. You know, are we ruminating a lot? 
stirring up a lot of anxiety, trying to rework the past until it works out just right. I used to rework the past all the time, like trying to make a more perfect past in my thinking. Guess what? It never worked. (laughs) Um, Or to control. Okay, if I just can figure this out, I can control the chaos that is life. So by learning to be mindful of thinking, we can start to notice those patterns. Oh, look at that. I'm planning again. Look at that. I'm ruminating. Look at that. I'm fantasizing and drifting off into this pleasant feeling. Um, Just noticing the emotional quality that it can have sometimes, the tone of voice you hear. All these aspects are really giving you information about how you've been conditioned. And it's valuable every time you step back from thinking and just notice that it's happening. You're no longer enmeshed in it. Um, And this is actually a huge movement of mind. And it takes time. It takes time because we've developed a lifetime of being enmeshed and engaged in our thinking. So it's not always easy. For a while I had to deliberately think thoughts to be mindful while thinking those thoughts in order to catch the feeling of what this was like. Um, Sometimes thinking just evaporates when you're all ready to work with it. Poof, it's gone. Um, Or it can be quite clear. But when just this is an invitation, when it arises in meditation and it's easy to let go of, let it go and come back to the breathing, come back to the body. When it's difficult... You know, sooner or later it's going to be difficult and you're going to be caught and you're going to think, oh my gosh, I was just gone for the last half hour thinking. And you, when you come back, that's always a great moment, like Tanya was saying, I'm back. I was aware that thinking was just happening. Um, And you can think, oh, I was caught in thinking. It's not a huge problem. We're just developing the awareness of coming back and then noticing as much of it as we can. And strengthening. Every time we notice these things, we're strengthening our ability to be aware in the here and now, which leads to more freedom. So, thank you for that. And we're now, yeah. Let's give 15 minute break. I agree. So, we're going to take a 15 minute break. You can walk, you can stretch. So, enjoy the 15 minutes and come back at 310, please. Maybe there were moments today of surprise. I remember during a walking period, the wind was blowing and the redwood tree, you know, it was like rain. It sounded like rain. And every little dried little thing that came down made me smile. I felt joyful. It was like I was so present for this delight, this surprise. The warm air, but with wind and the sound of rain, but knowing it wasn't water. Just like maybe there were some moments like that to you that happened to you today. A different way of relating to a thought or a feeling. Just giving it some space right now.
to be held in this maybe wide riverbank. And maybe some of the things that arise right now, they might need a little more snuggly energy. They might need the riverbank to be a little closer. And so playing with that too. Opening a little bit again. And then feeling what needs a little more tension, touching, a little more connection. And then resting back again. Just like the sky is incredibly spacious, so generous. Does the sky care that planes fly through? Does it care that there's a weather storm or that it's clear? No, the sky is fine with it all. It knows it's the sky. Nothing offends it. There's room for it all. And this is the the type of practice we'll invite now. Spacious, open, open awareness. And when you find that you have a hard time being spacious, it's okay to find your anchor and breathe a little bit. Grounding, centering. And then when it feels okay to relax and open up again, no problems, can't do anything wrong, no mistakes, just being as easy as you can with whatever arises and using the skills and tools we covered today as you need them, trusting yourself, paying attention to the results of how you meet your experience. So maybe putting your hand on your heart, just a sense of, okay, I can feel myself, I'm here. I'm gonna bear loving witness, just setting an intention really, inviting the mind, the heart, the body, to be open and for awareness to witness. Witness it all. Can we be the knowing? Be with the knowing. 
allowing experience, thoughts, emotions to move through and watch. But we don't have to be them. I'm not my thoughts, I'm not my feelings. It's a part of my experience, and I can know it, can be with it.
It's the nature of the mind to notice things. We come into a space and we notice the chairs or the decorations or the people, how someone's dressed or it's what we're trained to do. So in this practice, the invitation is actually to do the opposite, to notice the space in between things, to look up, around, to broaden, expand, to invite the mind to be open, spacious, to connect with awareness, knowing it all. And noticing the space, the emptiness, the allowing, The mind can be boundless.
it might be really helpful to notice the gaps, the end of a sound, It's fading away. New sounds will come. And then noticing when they fade.
It's very natural for the mind to move from one thing to the next. And what we can do is hold our attention on the gaps, the endings, sort of sinking into it, letting it soak in those moments of quiet or ease. Noticing, receiving. space. If it feels appropriate for you, you might, I'll tell you this and you can decide if you want to try this. you might actually very gently and slowly open your eyes and just notice where the eyes go, what they take in. And then see if you can't shift your gaze to something that is space, the gap, the openness, the light. And just try and hold your attention on that emptiness, that space. The objects are still there. we're shifting our awareness to what we're taking in. In the same way, you may close your eyes again and just see how that helps you practice in the last five minutes with connecting with the spaciousness, the sky within.
I'm going to ring the bell slowly and allow silence between the bells to allow you space and time before you come out of the meditation to stay with taking some time to stand and stretch or just shift the position of the body as you need. Noticing how the body is right now. giving it whatever it needs. for reflections, questions, anything that you'd like to share, and I'd like to include the YouTube
folks. So thanks, Richard, for noticing anything that they have to share. But just could be anything about the meditation you just, or the meditations you just went through, the day, a general question, or a reflection on what you've been noticing and how that is for you. Yes, please. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So I've been meditating for a few months, and I've noticed that it does help with, like, the, I guess, like, the strength of thoughts and emotions. But as you kind of dig deeper into some of like the thoughts and emotions they tend to be triggered by specific like strong negative core beliefs so while meditation seems to help like mitigate the symptoms of these core beliefs it doesn't really feel like it helps really address the issue at hand which is like these strong negative core beliefs so i'm curious how you work with that (laughs) well first of all it's great that you notice that they're coming out of these core beliefs You know, we all get conditioned into beliefs, views about ourselves, about others, and about how the world works over a lifetime. So the fact that you've identified that is great. And I would say allowing time for yourself to see the manifestations of that is much more valuable than you might imagine. Because sometimes these play out in how we hold our body, how we think, what emotions come up, how we interact. It's a huge world. So taking time to notice that world and the co- and then over time there may be something evident about what's underneath the core beliefs or what all is in there. It may gradually kind of unfold for you and ultimately Um, it's just a process that I think requires a lot of patience. Great, great question. Great observation. I think just, uh, I want to offer something just to see, because, you know, some people are more or less connected with this idea of core beliefs. Um, Maybe a way to think about a core belief is sort of like um, the earth is round. It's like kind of a fact, right, for most of us, not all of us. But it's just within your own being, it's so just unquestionable. It's just there. It's like almost you don't even know it's there because it's so just accepted. And a view might be more like, um, or a general belief, might you might notice it sounds like, Something in your head, it's more like, um, you know, it's really impolite to do X. You're supposed to stop at the stop sign all the way, not roll. Like, that's like more of like, um, more of a kind of a belief that's just sort of, you know, something that you, there's more narration around it, narrative, right? Right? 
So just to try and get a feel for how core beliefs exist within us, they're very, they're kind of structural. <laughs> they're kind of structural, so they can be hard to notice. And um, so, you know, when we, and they are very influential in terms of like, uh, very influential in, in some ways that are, are it's kind of, I don't know, out of sight almost. But just holding that, just sort of seeing, oh, there's a core belief. And like sort of maybe doing some of this opening around it with this curiosity. Like, is the earth really round? How do I know that it's round? You know, kind of idea. And what happens if I believe the earth is round? What would it be like if I believe the earth was flat instead? Sort of just loosening it up a little bit and exploring it in that way can, m- might be helpful. Thank you. One of the things I really appreciate the, the way Tanya opened that up just now and some examples. This is where practice often leads us. We, we may be going along noticing our thoughts, noticing the patterns of our emotions and what happens and suddenly discover that we have a core belief, I'm not good enough. Or a core belief, other people do stuff wrong and that's what makes me unhappy. So there, there are uh, very many of these, but that is actually what, often what this meditation peels back to reveal. Is that helpful? Yeah. Great. Other reflections, comments? Questions, things you noticed today that you'd like to share with others as a gift? Thank you. Um, I would just like to say that I'm just kind of blown away with how moved I am just to be in the space again after COVID and and the Buddha statue so unperturbed. And the redwood tree, you know, that um, it's just, I don't know, just a lot of feelings have come up. And I want to say thank you, Liz and Tanya. I feel very nurtured. Mm. Thank you, Jan. Maybe I'll say, too, at this moment that um, I also feel very nurtured by the YouTube people. It really helps me to know that there's this worldwide net of people connected to IMC and practicing with us, supporting us. And how important each of you are here to help, you know, you're helping create the space that holds what we're all sharing together. So thank you, Jan, and every one of you and all of you out there. All right, Nina. Yeah, to your question about the gift um, to give, it's mostly really appreciation for for both of you for the effort you have put into coming and making this space available for us. And I too have felt the care that you have put into it, and so so thank you. I'm so touched.
Thank you, Nina. So, speaking of YouTube, Di Diane, I won't use your last name, working with emotions, I sometimes tend to go down the rabbit hole of looking for why that emotion came up. Yeah, that's a really good observation. Um, and there's, there are many different ways to work with emotions. One thing that's interesting about mindfulness is oftentimes we can let go of the why and notice that something is happening. Anger is arising. Calm is arising. Joy is arising. Disappointment is arising. Just that, we notice that's arising. We notice how it affects the body. We notice how thoughts may spin out of it. So that's one very uh, amazing advantage of mindfulness, that sometimes we don't have to know why. And things can transform just by noticing them and that they arise and that they're arising. Of course, it can be very helpful to understand the origin of emotions as well. So sometimes uh, meditators may spend time journaling or reflecting on the, the background of their emotional life, um, what you were taught to accept as common emotions growing up with the people you grew up with, um, what emotions surface most frequently. So this, this is also a very worthy area of, of study. Um, so there's no one way, but there are many ways to work with it. Thank yeah. you, Liz. Yeah. Um, Diane, is that what, what her name was? Yeah. Diane? Um, one thing I want to say to Diane is you describe something so, for me, visceral, which is the rabbit hole going down the rabbit hole which um, it describes actually, to me, it says you have an awareness of what it feels like to get entangled and caught in the emotion. That's sort of how it feels in, in my body. So that is a huge gift that you can describe it that way. And so, again, sort of the opposite of that might be the riverbed, allowing things to flow through, the opening up around the experience. Even if you find yourself in the rabbit hole, it's like this, and then, okay, so I feel like this, and then, you know, is it possible to open up around it? Is it possible to kind of create a little bit of space? Because emotion is an experience. It's an experience we're having, but again, it's not who we are. And if we're over-involved in it, we're, um, we don't have the space to let it move through. And we tend to be reigniting, reigniting. And then the teasing apart idea of that, the raft practice, where we tease it apart. Here's a memory... Here's a view, here's a core belief, <laughs> you know, here's an image. Just trying to, again, it's like a, everything gets knotted up and tied up together. And it's pretty hard to deal with things when they're like that. So relaxing, opening, and then sort of helping sift through can be helpful. So I'll ask Diane if she feels that that was helpful. And if she has yeah. any further questions, she can... 
Well, she's responded a little bit, so. Great. Because uh, she's typing and I'm speaking for her. So she says, thank you. And then yes, as you described the rabbit hole process. And then she says, the rabbit hole to me seems more like the thinking process around the emotion. And then Diane says, the why of it. Sort of thinking about the emotion, the why of it, which is, in my view, true too. Yeah. Um, really good points that she's raising that, and that Tanya just alluded to, that there's such a thing as fuel that we throw on the fire. We're in the rabbit hole and we f- throw more thoughts in and we're down further in the rabbit hole. Or we can have this thought of, is there any way I can open out of this? So um, this is a huge area of practice and I'd encourage patience, infinite patience, for allowing discovery over time about emotions. I have a great quote I want to share if I can find it. (laughs) Um, It's by Rick Rorden. You can't think your way out of your emotions. (laughs) You can't think your way out of emotions. doesn't work. Yeah, they're already here for one thing. They, and they are a record, perhaps, of our conditioning because they show us in a moment, in a flash, how we've been conditioned, you know, around the thoughts, uh, the, the thoughts that have fed it, the experiences that have fed it. They're kind of a flash reaction summarizing the past. Mm-hmm. Diane says, thank you. Great. Great. Any other reflections, questions, comments? Great. Iris. Uh, there. Nana has it. Thank you, Nana. Okay. Um, I guess the question before kind of brought up so if you like are with an emotion and maybe you don't really understand why it was triggered, do you just kind of let that be and be okay with it <laughs> in summary? <laughs> like as you're trying to tease it apart, maybe you don't understand like what specifically caused it? Um, that's part of that. You recognize what you can about it. Okay. You allow what it is, even if it's kind of unknown, it's kind of murky. Allow it. Feel it. However it feels. Notice where it is in the body. And even if you can't tease it apart, that kind of accept, allow, feel will serve you. Trust that it's there for a reason. It's, you know, it's coming up for in response to something and you can be with the fact that it's there. Yeah, that's, you know, one thing to know, it helps me sometimes to look at neuroscience and what we know from that about studying the brain. And um, one way they describe the brain in neuroscience is that it is an organ and its job is to predict. And it predicts based on past experience or associations. And so sometimes emotions can be triggered before we're even conscious of what's going on because the, the brain is predicting something and it doesn't come to be, but the emotion still got triggered. Or 
we don't notice that it didn't come to be whatever we were expecting because we get so caught up in our, our, our predicting, our anticipating, you know, mind. So it's a tricky thing. <laughs> thank you. And also, thank you for taking the day to set this up. This is very helpful. Great. I think one of the um, the gifts of mindfulness is it gives us choice. Having the capacity to sit back a bit, to observe, to pause, gives us so much more freedom in our life, so much more choice. Without it, without the mindfulness, without the capacity to kind of let go or sit back. Here's a quote, a different quote about emotions. I feel like this is what can happen to us. It's not, it's Elizabeth Gilbert says this, and I don't think it's a fact the way it is, but without mindfulness, I think it's what happens. Your emotions are the slaves to your thoughts, And you are the slave to your emotions. And that's what happens without the capacity to witness, to observe, to know, to let go, to pause, to breathe, to choose. Is pointing to something really valuable about mindfulness meditation practice and where this leads. Because you'll come to a point after you've done this for a while where you can see the rabbit hole. You can go, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. It's not worth it. I could worry and worry about this thing that's never happened. Most of the horrible experiences in my life have never happened. (laughs) It's just the mind has created these. And so you can see the choice after a time, after observing these things for a while or the horrible experience happened once, but I've relived it a hundred times, and I didn't have to. Yeah. Any last comments? things that have happened that you're sitting with? So I'd like to invite everybody to take a moment to recognize how much you've been through today. You've actually been through a significant amount of practice and training. A whole day devoted to mindfulness, to seeing what's coming up. And how that's been for you. Maybe some things you really found helpful, you could use them. It was really great. And some things were challenging. 
or maybe it was all challenging, or it was all helpful. So just appreciating that whatever you put into today, every moment of mindfulness matters. Is what That's what I've noticed in the years of practice, that every moment, every sitting, it may not, the fruits of it may not be apparent right away. In fact, it often isn't, but later something has subtly shifted, something shows up, it's like, wow, it really was useful. It really was useful to sit. And maybe reflecting for a moment, are you, do you feel different in some ways than when you came in this morning? And then how, what's your relationship with how it was today? Meaning, do you have an attitude uh, towards it? Like, yeah, that felt, that felt really good and wonderful. Or, wow, I'm worried. I'm not sure I can get this thing. Or it could be anything. But just taking a moment to notice what your relationship is with what has happened today is just information about conditioning. We could look at today as a day full of experimentation and play and just learning new things. One of the things that can be helpful is um, reflecting on any wholesome or helpful or good feeling that has come up for you today or is present with you right now, even if you're just a little bit calmer than you were when you came in this morning, that landing on and feeling beneficial feelings or body states or states of mind or even the spaciousness that Tanya just invited us into, just that quality of spaciousness, when we take the time out to appreciate those, feel them, that reinforces those beautiful qualities and they can re-arise again. And if today showed you some difficulties, some areas that were challenging. I'd like to say that's also excellent that you saw that. And to keep in mind that this is called the gradual path. It slowly unfolds us in our own time. Allow that. Allow it to unfold. There's a a kind of story I'm going to paraphrase, maybe not quite accurately, but a story in one of the books that Gil Fronstahl has written called The Monastery Within that's about, you know, uh, a monastic who's living in the monastery who's on fire to be totally free and asks the abbess, um, so how long will it take me if I really, really focus on this? And the abbess says, um, you know, something, maybe seven years. And the, the monastic says, yeah, but what if I really work on it harder? 
oh, it'll take a lot longer. So I love that story because, you know, we can, we can move at a more natural pace and let ourselves unfold and show us what we need to look at and know. We don't need to rush ourselves. Uh, another thing Gil says that I really love is that um, if this practice leads us to full liberation in this lifetime, wonderful. But if it doesn't, we've lived a way better life in the process. And I'll attest that the last 18 years of my life have been happier and happier and happier and more smooth and free of affliction. So what's not to love about that? One of the things you can do uh, taking this practice back into your life is use some of these tools even during the middle of the day. I've known parents that have trained their young children to, we're both going to stop right now, and we're just going to take three breaths. I've had a practice for a long time of whenever I get up from my chair at work or at home, I tune into the body and how it feels to walk to the restroom, to the kitchen, wherever I'm going. I just feel that walking. So there's these mini mindfulness breaks throughout the day. And as you pay attention, taking breaks out to breathe, paying attention to the body, catching yourself in the middle of thinking or a feeling. You could say you're building more steadiness, more collectedness, more, uh, sometimes it's called concentration. But by noticing these things in some of the questions, we can notice what we're feeding. There's this story about... um, the wolf you feed (laughs) and the wolf you feed grows stronger and the wolf you don't feed grows weaker so we can watch what we're feeding you know as we watch our thoughts as we watch our emotions and as we watch our attitudes we can understand what have I been feeding am I feeding things that are helping me or am I feeding things that are making things harder for me these are just some of the things that may come up for you so as we leave today um, this is you know a wonderful uh, center that has a lot of programs that can help you continue this practice Tanya's going to have a class in building a practice that's coming up so I'd encourage you to attend that. And about a month from now, I think, there will be another day long with Kodo and Tanya. 
So that's a resource. There are sittings on Sundays, Monday nights. There's a half day on Wednesday that's wonderful to attend if your schedule has that flexibility. And there are all kinds of programs, Tuesday morning, Thursday evening. So there's a a lot of ways here to continue to cultivate your practice. It's valuable to continue to, to build a daily practice of finding a time of day that you can do this sitting practice that works for you. And sometimes it takes some experimentation. You know, first thing in the morning is better, or the evening, or do I do it during my lunch break? But even if you start small, you know, start with a 20-minute meditation, do that for a while, then maybe 25, or even if it's 20, 21, 22, um, you can build a practice, but the, the daily quality of it uh, can really help to reinforce what you've been learning today. And um, it's very interesting, but often the day goes better, no matter what kind of sitting you have. <laughs> it's, it's quite an interesting phenomenon. Um, we have a library here with lots of different books on Buddhism that can be checked out and brought back. Um, there's, as you know, there are these online offerings, Gill's Morning Sitting um, and Dharma Talk. So there are tons of tools um, and opportunities here at IMC and online. Um, the YouTube folks, I'm, I'm usually one of you. I don't live here, so I'm normally out there in cyberspace with the rest of you. So I wonder if there are any questions about um, what's available here or about Tanya's class. Maybe you could say a little bit about when that's going to be. <clears throat> it started last week. Oh, this great. Thursday, but pretty much every Thursday night, assuming people show up, I'll be teaching a class, one class after another. So the, right now the plan is establishing a practice is the focus for the month of uh, September. October will be Let's Talk About Practice. Um, November will be Living the Practice. December will be The Four Noble Truths. So each month will sort of be a class format where there's a combination of teachings, guided practices, and small group discussions and Q&A. So would love to see any of you there at any time. And it will be on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> I forgot to mention one of my favorites uh, that happens here every night, uh, every weeknight at 6 o'clock uh, Pacific time, is called Happy Hour. And Happy Hour is dedicated to some practices that uh, we work with qualities of loving kindness, or we could just call it kindness, compassion, equanimity, sympathetic joy. So qualities of the heart that, are, that really feel good. And actually, that's the way we're going to end today. So some of you may n- never have heard of this practice before, but we'll just do a couple of minutes of it. And um, so you may find a comfortable posture this time. And allow yourself to... Take some breaths. 
sometimes this kindness practice or loving kindness practice, which is also called metta practice, is done in the form of phrases. So we'll do just a little bit of that right now. Bringing to mind the effort that you've put in today, the way you've come back to the breath, come back to the body, and worked with what we've presented today, really bringing that fully into your mind and heart, seeing that really wonderful effort on your part, and seeing that part of yourself that would really like to be more free in the world, be more peaceful in the world, happier in the world, and saying to that part of yourself, may I be healthy. May I be happy. Sincerely wishing that for yourself. May I be safe and free from all harm. May I be peaceful. Even taking the part of yourself that may have had some difficult moments today or found some things challenging, bringing that to mind as a dear friend, thinking of your dear friend and wishing, may I be happy. Even in the face of difficulty, may I be healthy. May I be safe and free from all harm. May I be peaceful. days like this are possible because you've all come together in in YouTube and here in the room. We've supported one another to do this practice. Looking around and seeing each other sincerely working with this so we can extend these same wishes to one another. May you be healthy May you be happy. May you be safe and free from all harm.
May you be peaceful. And taking all the benefit that we've experienced from today that we know of and the benefits we don't yet know of, we can wish them for the world around us. May this practice that we've done today ripple out and benefit those close to us in our lives and strangers whom we don't know by dedicating the benefit of this practice, whatever it might be, to all the people and creatures around us. May you all be healthy. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe and free from harm. May all beings be peaceful and free.